Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor with Asante Capital Management and co-founder of Son and Family Office. Today is October 13th, 2022, and we have with us Peter Hofstra, Senior Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager at CI Global Asset Management. Besides being a CFA, Peter also has a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry and a PhD in Engineering Physics. One of the things I really appreciate about Peter is his ability to simplify the very complex world of economics and money management into an understandable language. Given the turbulence in the stock, bond markets, and the world at large these days, I thought it made sense to have Peter share his thoughts with us. All right, Peter, so let's jump right into it. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, happy uh, to be with you. Thanks. In, in, a, in a recent podcast to advisors, uh, you referenced being aware of behavior gap and also the marshmallow test. Can you uh, uh, share those thoughts with our listeners? Yeah, of, of course. So one of the, um, you know, part of my, you know, make my background, I came from a very different um, industry and came into this one. And one of the things I asked myself, what, what is this job all about? Like, what's what's the value creation that comes from this? We we're always asking ourselves that in technology. What's the value add here? What's the value add? And I always said it's two things. Is one is we want to run investment products that grow over time and so can make that contribution to growing client wealth. But when I looked at the, the data, it said there's another piece that people often don't make the returns of whatever security, whether it be an individual stock or mutual fund or ETF, they don't get the returns that the underlying security generates. And, and that's the behavior gap piece. And that sort of really then leads to the psychology of, of owning stocks. And I've always, you know, again, that perplexed me too, is I thought when things get cheaper, normally we love that. If Lululemon's got a sale on, man, you know, the family's going to go straight there and they, they rarely do. But with stocks, it sounds like we run from it when you should run to it. And I think a lot of that is because often we already own stocks, right? And so if you're the Lululemon store that has too much inventory, you know, you're not as excited. You might want to buy your own stuff because it's on sale, but you're also the business is being impacted by that. And I say we feel pain more than we feel pleasure. And so in some ways, it's understandable that that behavior gap can form. But I think it's so crucial that we close that and then we do whatever we need to do as portfolio managers and financial advisors to really engage with people and say, look, you make more money on equities because it can be harder. And it's kind of this positive negative reinforcement or, or sort of random negative reinforcement where a lot of the time it feels good and every now and then it feels awful. And that's when you're going to get tested. And if you can get through the awful, you can make the big returns. But if you don't get through the awful, you're going to get that behavior gap. So that's the one piece. And then the marshmallow test is that there's a classic test on some time ago where um, everything was about, you know, IQ, your intelligence quotient. And someone thought, well, maybe there's other dimensions to success. And they came up with this emotional quotient. One of the tests was that if, if a child was left in, in a room with a marshmallow, they said, I'm going to come back in, in a few minutes. And if you don't eat that marshmallow, we'll give you more. And then they would video the kids. And of course, some, as soon as the door closes, they've eaten that marshmallow, right? And so no delayed gratification. You know, others, you know, were fine to wait and couldn't wait for the award. And others were doing all kinds of mental torture on themselves to avoid eating the marshmallow, like touching it on their tongue. And Anyway, but all of that sort of led to this notion that those that can um, subject themselves to that delayed gratification ultimately get far more benefit. And so that was sort of, you know, combining those two elements is, is now is, is tough. It doesn't feel good. But if you can get through this, you're going to get much more benefit from ultimately being a participant in, in equities. That delayed gratification is, is when you're really going to get tested is right now. 
So that just brings me to my new tactic. I'm going to bring marshmallows into the meetings from now on. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over well. <laughs> yeah. So then let's kind of fast forward to uh, give them where the markets are now and uh, circumstances are right now. What's the number one thing you and your team are paying attention to? Yeah, so the, the most important number in all financial markets is the U.S. short-term interest rate. Basically, every other asset gets priced off of that. And those, and the thing is, it's a very small number of people who make the decision on what that rate is going to be. And part of their mandate is you know, price stability. And all of a sudden, earlier this year, they decided that high single-digit inflation represents instability and needs to be combated. So they're working very hard to bring inflation down. And that was quite a pivot. And we can talk about that, that's sort of interesting. But, and so it really is that inflation piece that we're watching quite closely, but it's not just sort of, not just interpreting the data, it's interpreting how that group of people is going to interpret the data. Uh, but that's a very, very crucial piece of this is how is the overall economy function, functioning? What is inflation doing? The subcomponents of inflation, because that's ultimately gonna impact that rate setting and that rate setting is what's gonna have a huge impact on markets. And, and look, these markets are likely to remain volatile until the Fed has, has feels they've done enough uh, to curb inflation. And that could also be with a spike in unemployment, right? It may not have to be you know, inflation going down to 2%. So it's looking at all those sub-elements of the economy and saying, look, we, you know, we need to understand how those things are coming together to understand how they're gonna make decisions. And then it's how do you position yourselves in the meantime? And that we would say it's incredibly important you get through businesses that have pricing power, have balance sheets that can get through, you know, whatever the economy is going to serve up. They may end up forcing us into a deep recession. So you want to be in businesses that can certainly get through that. But if they've got the balance sheet, they can actually use that balance sheet and buy other companies that all of a sudden go a whole lot cheaper and come out stronger out the other side. So that really becomes the focus in the meantime. But to answer your question, it really is those dimensions around those things that are going to change the Fed stance or, and, and central banks more generally, but certainly the, the U.S. Fed being the most impactful. Okay, so I think you, you really answered this one, but I'll, I'll just uh, phrase it in a different way. And, and just to make sure my thinking is, is in line with yours, uh, would you agree that Canada is closer to the end of its tightening than the U.S.? And then U.S. would kind of be next in line. And then Europe, well, they've only just begun. Um, and, and so how, how does it affect the markets when it's the, the central banks aren't in sync? Yeah, so a few dimensions there to really touch on. So the, the first part there is, yes, we always thought Canada would move first and stop sooner. And there's a bunch of dimensions to that. And it's certainly that, you know, post the great financial crisis, a lot of the debt stayed with the consumer. And then there's the structure of our mortgage markets. We can't write off our mortgage interest, you know, on our, our income tax. There's a lot more variable or shorter term mortgages, whereas the U.S. you can write off that interest. So most people take 30 year mortgages. So when you're starting changing rates, it tends to impact, you know, the Canadian demographics a lot faster than it might the U.S., and the U.S. is probably more on the corporate bond side. As bonds roll over and corporations need to refinance, they're looking at that and saying, we're going to have to lay people off or otherwise we can't afford you know, to roll our debt over. And so it hits the way it translates through. It is quite different. So the first party question is, yes, we do think Canada has to stop sooner than the States. Look, in, in Europe, if you include the U.K., I mean, that's, that's an interesting one, right? I mean, 
you know, you've got competing fiscal and monetary policy. I mean, it, it's just getting messy. And, and Europe's going to have a, a world of struggle. And, and it's interesting, even what the U.S. Fed did initially is said, look, this inflation is not our problem. We didn't cause this. Right? This is fiscal policy giving people money and supply chains being blown up. That's what created inflation. And so they first said, why would we add more expense to people by raising their interest costs in what's already going to be a difficult environment? And I think you're going to see Europe have to reconcile that to a much bigger fashion. The energy costs in Europe are going to be much, much higher uh, than they were ever going to get to in North America. And so I think in Europe, they're going to have to be extremely careful adding interest burden to people. And you're already seeing that these energy subsidies are going to have to come through. So you're going to get these competing forces of fiscal support in monetary tightening. Uh, so my guess is Europe can't go anywhere near as high as certainly as, as what the U.S. did. Right. And so I always, <clears throat> excuse me, I always use the analogy of driving a car. Um, you, you've got, uh, in Canada, we've got foot on the brake uh, right now and, and <clears throat> good chance they'll probably overdo it in terms of tightening. And then they'll have to put on the gas again a little bit to pull us, uh, pull us out. Uh, these days, though, I realized this last night when I was uh, uh, just doing a little bit of work, and uh, it, it's a little bit, <clears throat> uh, if you're going the new realm in Tesla, then you're, you're putting your foot on the, on the go and taking your foot off. There is no brake. You just don't have to use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'll have to update our analogies for yeah, that new world. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So um, I appreciate that thought. And so with that and, and, and with the understanding that nothing is linear when it comes to markets and economics because fear and greed come into play with everything. And mm -hmm. so we're always updating uh, our thoughts and uh, given the, the current uh, uh, data and how we process it. Um, uh, so I completely realize this is a loaded question, but what kind of timeline do you see for uh, market bottoming? And uh, then you also had a, a probably ties into this. Uh, you, you had a, an interesting saying where uh, bad news is probably good news. Right. Yeah. And that's certainly the, the challenge for those that, you know, think they can time the market or and not even necessarily trying to time it. But if you just sort of had had enough, like, you know, June should have been the lows. I really I have to endure more of this. And and people do get the fatigue. And again, that's, you know, the marshmallow test and, and don't create create the behavior gap. And they just get tired and say, I just want to pull out and then I'll go back in later on. But when? Right. And when you've got good news in the market, well, it's going to be far too late by then. Right. And so by the time the economy is, you know, sort of has been slowed down and then it is, is, is starting on a different trajectory. Inflation has been lower. The, the stock market is going to have rallied substantively by then. So the point is you can't kind of wait for that constructive news to come along to believe then I can get into the market and I'm going to make the big returns of the market. Markets say is forward looking, maybe forward guessing is the better notion that it's always trying to figure out and get ahead of what those decisions are going to be. And so when you think about those timelines, it means, you know, I think it's important to think about economic timelines. And then to your point is, is market timelines, which can move on a, on a very different cadence. And so when you look at the, the, the economic timelines, you know, the, the things we're hearing is we're starting to get close to the point where inflation has been rolled over on a bunch of different elements. I mean, the energy piece, we're kind of lapping $80 oil. It, it got to 120 in, in February earlier this year. So as we get into 2023, we're going to start to lap that price. And if oil's still at 80, it's almost a deflationary influence on a year-over-year -year basis. 
you know, when we talked to come like a dollar Rama in Canada, they would tell us that, you know, a few months ago, they had trouble sourcing goods. Now they're getting phone calls of Chinese suppliers saying, can you please take our goods? <laughs> right. And so these things are starting to trickle through and they can look at their shipping costs and you look at the, the Baltic um, dry in, index, which will tell you what shipping costs are going to be. Those have rolled over. Uh, and so some of those things that were impacting the supply chain are starting to heal. Supply is coming back. The energy costs are rolling over. So a number of those that, that fiscal stimulus, the money that was dropped into everybody's accounts, that's getting spent. And so the demand side is naturally going to soften as that supply um, side is starting to heal. So I think over the coming even few months, you're going to start to see some of that and a lot because of just you can look at prices a year ago and say things are going to start to get better. And so I think through the end of this year and the early part of next year, you're going to start to see that inflation picture, you know, really start to change. And again, it's, do we go into deflation? No, probably not. But all we need is that rate of inflation to decrease, right? Inflation is the change in prices not the price level, all right? And we want that change in prices to certainly start to come down. And so we think that's gonna happen quite naturally and probably would have happened even if the Fed did nothing, right? So, so they can take credit for it and say, hey, look, we achieved our job, you know, we're gonna go on hold or we're gonna you know, start to reverse whatever it is. And then it's a question of whether the, the economy can support the level of interest rates that exist right now. And I think what the bond curve is telling you is the answer is no. We can't support these level of interest rates. Otherwise, the 10-year, if it was a healthy, would be at 6% right now, well above you know, the two-year, which is at four. But the 10-year has been below the two, which is you know, the market telling us they're going to have to lower rates again. And that would be our default view, but they're probably not lowering rates until we're well into next year. Uh, and, right? And then and there's sort of risk of recession in the meantime. So I think that's kind of the economic timeline. So we probably have a, a few quarters before I think you really see that the Fed call it reverse course. Um, but I think it, it's very likely that, you know, are, have we already seen the market bottom? Was it yesterday, right? That's very possible when you look at, right, as we speak today, we had a terrible inflation print. The market started down and said, you know what, things might be cheap enough. It's time to not worry about that so much. And, and let's get back in. So an actual market bottom is hard to call, but I can tell you, it'll be before the economy seems to be back on that stable footing that the Fed's looking for. So if that's going to take a few quarters, you know, cut that in half. And, and that's sort of probably when the market's going to move. And that, that's right. And I think to your point, too, you always want to update your forecasts. For those that haven't read the book, Super Forecasters, it's a worthwhile read. But the big lesson there is don't anchor to your first opinion, right? Always make sure you're taking in new information and being willing to adjust that viewpoint. But that's sort of how we would, would sort of see things playing through uh, currently. Okay, good. So uh, I'll maybe play off of that just a little bit. So, uh, and because people are always asking about uh, interest rates. Um, and again, this is pure speculation, but you alluded to that. You're thinking, okay, they, they are probably going to have to lower it. That's what the bond market is telling us. And, and why it's so important to people besides the, uh, on, on the portfolio side, of course, is mortgages and people have mortgage renewals coming up and, and right. what should, they're always asking, what should we do? Um, my, my answer is being, we're not going back down to the rates that we saw, highly unlikely, um, but we probably are going to be uh, less in uh, two years from now. Um, so that's that's the world according to John. Uh, much more credible is what's what's the world according to Peter? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd be more credible. I mean, all of these throw you know my opinion as fast as you might throw at any others. And 
but yeah, I would suspect, you know, if people are sort of thinking, you know, what do I do here? And like, I've got adult children that are, are getting into and buying their first homes. Uh, and, you know, I have a son who's you know currently locked in at 1.7 that comes due in 2024. So what's he going to have to renew at? Uh, and a daughter who's, who's just getting into the mortgage market. And they're saying, yeah, you, you probably want to lock in for a year or two uh, and then look at rates again. You don't want to take, you know, that sort of five year here. And, and, and then look across those, those terms, where are you getting discounts? And banks will often be incented depending on how their own debt structure looks and, and how they're financing the mortgages. Uh, but you probably want to stay shorter term, um, believing that you're going to have opportunity to refinance at a lower rate in, within the next, uh, so call it two years. Yeah. And that's really what I was getting to is that uh, uh, so our, our mortgage rates are tied to those uh, primes and uh, so uh, and the uh, bond market. And, and we do what it's telling us right now is it should be going down. Um, yeah. So yeah. but in the meantime, it's probably going to go up a little bit more. Yeah, there's probably yeah, more to come in November. Uh, you know, we'll see if they you know allow a Santa Claus rally to, to come through in, in December, which they very well might. But when I mean, you start to see those, those economic changes, when you're starting to see hiring freezes, you're starting to see layoffs. Um, again, this, this sort of supply chains are healing. Um, so these things, and it's a big lag. It's sort of at least a six month lag from when you move rates to when it hits the economy. So it's only the first hikes that in, in fewer we're really experiencing now. And they got more aggressive partway through. So um, yeah, certainly you know, we'll watch that economic data, but it, it's it wouldn't surprise us to, to see central banks take a pause before year end and say, we need to let these effects trickle through. It's been a lot quickly. We need to see the result of this before we think about going any further. That's fantastic. Well, Peter, I, I really appreciate your insights. Uh, you lived up to my uh, introduction, which is you help put this complex world in some simple language. Uh, that, uh, that we can all understand. So thank you very much for taking the time uh, to share your thoughts with our listeners. Oh, you bet. No, I, I hope it's it's useful. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on this stuff. So yeah, happy to share our thinking. And if, if we can make our contribution to eliminating that behavior gap, then uh, yeah, happy to do that anytime. Ultimately, our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. If you could also take a moment to post a review, it would be very much appreciated. If you would like access to other videos, podcasts, or articles we've done, visit us at saunafamilyoffice.com. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it comes from the meaning of Asante, which in Swahili is, thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sauna, which means thank you very much. And this name represents our gratitude towards all the families and business owners who have chosen our team to be their trusted advisory council. Until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.